join our voices together to proclaim that you are worthy. You are worthy of worship. Even as we were reminded last week in Psalm 99, you are worthy of worship for you are holy and righteous and just. And as we will see this week, you are worthy of worship for you are creator. You are good. You are merciful. You are truthful. And you are everlasting. You are all of these things from eternity past to eternity future. You are unchanging. You are God. And so this evening we bow in reverence. And yet we come boldly in Christ alone, full of hope and joy. That even this evening as we raise your name, that you would be honored. And pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 100, it's a well-known psalm. And in fact, uh, if you're not familiar with it, after I read it, this will make more sense. But as I was studying it, it just seemed wrong to, to go through Psalm 100 and then just to, to kind of end it. And so at the end of Psalm 100 this evening, I plan on singing another song. It just seems appropriate after going through Psalm 100 to sing a song at the end. Uh, and so I tell you that now because for that song, rather than just picking one, I figured I'd open it up to you guys to pick one. And so while I'm reading... Uh, and while we are studying Psalm 100 this evening, if there is a song that just stands out, like this goes perfect with that. Uh, it obviously has to be in our hymnal, uh, so our piano player can play it. Um, but if there's a song in our hymnal that just stands out, that fits perfectly, that would fit perfect to close our service this evening, uh, then at the end I'll ask you to raise your hand, uh, and then we will close our service before we go to prayer um, by singing that song. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. As I mentioned before, Psalm 100 is a well-known psalm. It's a psalm that we return to uh, around Thanksgiving. Most uh, churches, typically most believers, will turn to Psalm 100. It's a psalm that instructs us to be thankful, enter his courts with thanksgiving. But it's a good reminder for us, not just at Thanksgiving time. But all year round, there's a reason that we are thankful, a reason that this psalm puts forth. It's not just a general call to thankfulness, but be thankful and praise the Lord because this is who he is and what he has done. In fact, that's the way that the psalm is structured. There's a call to worship and then a reason to worship. And then another call to worship and another reason to worship. You'll see that as we work through here, verses 1 to 2, a call to worship, verse 3, the reason. Verse 4, a call to worship, verse 5, more reasons. And really, Psalm 100 works with Psalm 95 uh, through 99. It is kind of the, the ending of that. It brings these psalms that focus on God's universal reign as king 
that calls us to look forward to the kingdom when he will return, when he will fulfill all of these promises. These psalms that, that are a universal call for praise, this one kind of brings it all to an end. Everybody lift your voices and praise the Lord with me. And so Psalm 100 starts with this, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. I love the, the language there, make a joyful shout. That, the word shout, it's not a gentle word. right? It's not, it's not um, singing a song of praise. It is shout. It's not gentle. It's almost as if it's just bubbling up and he can't hold it in anymore. I am a kind of a jumpy person. And I remember one time, the, the summer that I met Krista, I was walking around a corner, and, and she knew that I hated getting scared. And I was walking around a corner, and she jumped down and went, boom! And I shouted. It was not a gentle shout, sound. It was not a beautiful sound. It was a, ah! It's not something I could just hold in, like, hmm. It just, it burst forth. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. He is worthy of our unrestrained worship. And note the, the, the broadness of this. All you lands, everybody, lift your voices and shout joyfully to the Lord. But then notice in verse 2, there's another word. In fact, you'll see in verse 3, in verses 1 to 2, you have three imperatives. Make, serve, and come. Make a joyful shout. Serve the Lord. Come before him. Praise him with your voice, with your hands, and with your feet. So we've seen praise him with your voice. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Now serve him with your hands. Serve the Lord. It's interesting that we come to Psalm 100 because on Sunday we were in Joshua 24. You remember in Joshua 24, the, uh, Joshua coming to the end of his life is speaking to the people one final time. He's giving a charge for them. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But, but what does he start that with? What does it all come down to? What is his message, his challenge to the people? The last thing, it is to fear the Lord. And to serve him in sincerity and in truth. Fear and serve. That service flows out of our fear for the Lord. Knowing who he is and responding to that looks like service with our hands. As the psalmist reminds us here. Shout with your voice, but don't stop there. Then also show this praise to God with your hands. Serve him. Get busy. And notice it's not serve him with reservation or with regret, but serve him with gladness. You know what that looks like, right? You've seen someone out on the job and you can tell that person loves what they are doing. There is a, a purposefulness to what they are doing. You can also tell when someone hates their job. Right? They're... They lack that purpose. They kind of mope around. They drag. 
This is not that kind of service. This is joyful service. This is willing service. This is service of the Lord with gladness. And also praise by, with your feet by coming before his presence with singing. Again, come before him. Come with singing, not with the fear or the dread of the condemned, as we've seen in the last few songs, or last few psalms, but with the joy and the hope of the redeemed. Come with singing. It's interesting, I think often when we think of coming before the Lord, we think of in terms of prayer, right? We come before the Lord in prayer. And that is very real. There's a very real sense in which we come before the Lord in prayer. But when you think about the context and under which Psalm 100 was written, as the psalmist is, is writing this, he's thinking of a very specific place to go. Where is it that you come to gather to worship the Lord? It's at the tabernacle or the temple, is it not? In fact, all throughout... The history of God's people, whether in Israel or in the church, or whether in the millennium in the future. Yes, it is true that all of life is worship. Everything that we do is motivated by worship to the Lord. And yet there is a special time when the people of God gather in the presence of God and when they worship. Whether that is at the temple or whether that is as a church or whether that will be in the millennium. Here in Psalm 100, there's this very specific time. You can just picture them as they're walking through the streets of Jerusalem, approaching the temple or the tabernacle, coming to where God is, his presence on earth. Come. Come and worship. Not, not come with the fear or the dread of the condemned but come into the very presence of the God of the universe. Come with singing. How can that be? What, what right do I have to come into this God's presence? I have no right except in Christ alone. Come before his presence with singing. So in this first two verses. There's a call to worship. Worship with your voice. Worship with your hands. Worship with your feet. Now verse 3 gives us the reason for this first call to worship. Why? Know that the Lord, he is God. The Lord, specifically, your Lord, he is God. The Lord that is in this temple before which you gather in the context of Psalm 100 that, that Lord, he is God. The Lord which called you, Israel, together as a people which called Abraham out of the land, he is God. The Lord of your fathers, he is God. The Lord who led you out of Egypt, he is God. The Lord who led you across the Jordan, who gave you this land, even as we saw in Joshua 24, he is God. Again, there's an imperative here. Know this. Know it. Be fully convinced of this. That this one whom you serve, who has called you out, he is God Almighty. He is not a God. He is God. One and only. Unique, even as we saw last week in Psalm 99. Holy. 
standing out above all others, unique, set apart. You see, it is the knowledge of verse 3, being fully convinced of this, that gives meaning to verses 1 and 2. It is because I know that the Lord is God that I can make a joyful shout to Him, that I can serve Him with gladness, that I can come before His presence with singing, because I know that the Lord, He is God. Not only is He God, but He is Creator. He has the right to order us and to tell us what to do, and He is worthy of worship because it is He who has made us, not we ourselves. And because he has made us, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Again, specifically here in verse 100, the context is of this nation of Israel that has been called out by God. His people set apart. They, in a very unique way, are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And yet in Christ, the church also has right to say that we are the sheep of his pasture. We are his people. Because in Christ, we who are far off, he has brought near. So know this and serve and worship this God. So in these first three verses, we see this call to worship and this reason to worship. And really, you'll note here that the the reason to worship is based on his position. It is who he is as creator and as king. He is God Almighty, creator of the universe, and he is king. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. He is our shepherd, our ruler, our leader. As you get then to verses 4 and 5, you see again a call to worship, and this time it will focus on his character. Not just who he is in position as creator and as shepherd or king or ruler who has authority over us, but who he is in his character. He is good, he is merciful, and he is true. So again in verse 4, we are called to enter enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Come before him. Come and give thanks to him because he is all these things. Come and lift up his name with praise. In fact, the psalmist wants you to get this so much that he repeats it. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And in case you missed it, be thankful and bless his name. That's literally repeating what he just said. Come before this God with thankfulness. Praising him, blessing his name, for he is worthy. Why? For the Lord is good. He is a good God. It's interesting, so many moments of our life, in the moment, God may not feel good. And yet what I found in the short years of my life is that looking back, I always find it with perspective that God is good. 
always good, only good. In the moment, sometimes it's hard to believe that. And yet, believe it, I must, because it is true. He is good, and he knows exactly what he is doing in each and every situation. In fact, there may be some here tonight who are going through situations this evening, or even now, it is hard for you to confess that God is good. But don't be ruled by your feelings. Don't interpret God based on how you feel. Rather, interpret your feelings based on who you know God to be. He is good. And not only is he good, but his mercy is everlasting. He is merciful, and he is just not mercifully merciful. He is everlastingly merciful. And that is good news for us, is it not? Our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more, the song goes. And there's a lot of sins. I know myself, there is a lot of sins, and yet the mercy of God is eternal. It knows no end or boundary. There is no time when it will end. It is everlasting, praise the Lord. His mercy is everlasting, and not only that, but his truth endures to all generations. He does not change, and his word does not change. The truth is the truth forever, because God is God forever. His immutability ensures that his truth endures to all generations. His truth endures because of who he is. This gets to the very core of who God is. To every single generation. I do not have to worry that the God that I know will be a different God to my children. God is God. He is unchanging, and his truth is unchanging from generation to generation. My children will come to know, Lord willing, the same good, merciful, righteous, holy God that I have by the grace of God. Psalm 100 is a call to worship with plenty of reasons to worship. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him, before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Before we go to a time of prayer, I think it is appropriate for us to make a joyful shout to the Lord. So is there any song? Uh, yes, Jim. Number 19. Oh, for a thousand tongues. It's a very appropriate song. So let's stand together and we'll sing number 19, Oh, for a thousand tongues.